0: Good evening, let's open in our Bibles tonight to the Old Testament book of Judges again. This will be the sixth in the series of messages on the life of Gideon, the life and call of Gideon, and tonight we look at the subject of putting out the fleece, putting out the fleece. We come now to verse 35 of Judges chapter 6. Speaking of Gideon, He sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulon, and to Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and if it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wring the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, And upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Here we have Gideon's final test as recorded in the word of God of the Lord. In spite of all that the Lord has done to assure Gideon, that he will be with him in the overthrowing of the Midianites, Gideon is still asking for more signs of the Lord's presence in his life. Now, when God makes promises and he makes his mind known, it then is incumbent upon the one receiving that understanding to act upon that understanding in faith. Notice what Gideon stated. This is not a matter of a person trying to discern something which is unclear in the will of God. The will of God, as we try to interpret it in providence, is not always clear, because God's ways are in the sea. That is, he walks in paths which is not always clear for us to understand. And when that is the case, then we must live by faith in the principles of the word of God. But this is not an issue of Gideon having problems knowing whether or not that God wants him to do something. For notice in the text, verse 36, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as what? As thou hast said. And twice he repeats that. He knows that God has stated that He's going to use Him as the instrument of deliverance, but He keeps asking for a confirming sign of the Lord's presence. Now this was, a, a request which was, was without excuse, and it showed that Gideon's heart was still filled with doubt and uncertainty. That as great as the assurance of the Lord had been in already giving him a sign, and many other illustrations of his presence as we have already seen, he wanted more and more and more. So he calls the messengers together from the various tribes. And this is the gathering of his army. And Gideon will go down, not only being remembered for is putting out the fleece, but his army of 300, and we'll be examining that in the weeks to come. So he sends out for the messengers, and the army begins, the militia begins to rally for battle. And then Gideon makes this request He says, Lord, now to know that you're with me, and you're going to save Israel by my hand, I'm going to put this fleece of wool. An animal skin, obviously, of some type, in, on the floor tonight, and if dew shows up on the fleece and there's no dew on the ground, then I know that you'll be with me. And God condescended to grant Gideon's request. Now the dew falls, whether men pray for it or not. This is a supernatural intervention of God, much like Joshua requesting for the sun to stand still, and it did so. Men do not cause the dew, what we say, to fall, and they don't cause it to be without dew. But here, God worked, and the animal skin was wet, even to the point of wringing out a whole bowl of water out of it. Evidently a very wet skin indeed, and nothing on the ground. Well, now, you would think that Gideon would just get up rejoicing, (laughs) like a child on Christmas morning, but that's not the case. He said, now, wait a minute, let's do this once more. And this time, let's flip the thing over. Let's let the dew be on all the ground, and let the fleece of skin, let it be dry. Lord, I don't want to make you mad against me, but I just want to prove you one more time what he says there in verse 39, Let not your anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this one more time, let me prove, I pray thee. Isn't that something? How it is God who proves men to see what is in men, not men who prove God to see what is in God. God tests us, but we are not authorized to test God to see if his word is to be true or not. Now, God puts us through many trials and testings. Not that he does not know what we are, but he brings out what is within us so that we may know ourselves better. But it is not incumbent upon us as his people to always be asking for God to prove himself. And so he made this request. And lo and behold, verse 39 or verse 40, God did the same thing. And that night he did the opposite of what he had done the night before. Now, the experience of Gideon, though, is that of many Christians. In fact, I may say of all Christians at various times in the life. We're always asking for some sign to reassure us of God's presence with us, aren't we?
1: We believe
0: him, but Lord, help our unbelief. And we want signs to be reassured. It's sort of like the witch in uh, Snow White. Is that Do I have my fables or my stories straight here? Was it in Snow White that always went mirror, mirror on the wall? Who's the fairest of us all? She had to have a daily confirmation that she was the most beautiful one. And it seems like that believers are much the same way. We confess that God is over all. We confess that there is God and there's none else beside him. We confess that nothing can place their hand of opposition against God and say, you can't do this. We acknowledge that all things work together for good to those that love God. We confess the omnipotence and the all-sufficiency of our God. And with that same confession, we also have the tendency to continually ask God to reassure us that he's for us. If God be for us, the text states, who can be against us? But we want reassurances, and it's usually in the form of signs. We say, well, if the Lord loves us, Lord, if you love me, do so and so. (laughs) If you really love me, bring this to pass. Am I the only one that has that weakness? Hmm. Anybody else here ever struggle with that? Lord, now if you really love me, why get me out of this hospital bed. If you really love me, why take care of things at work? Lord, if you really, really, really love me, why take care of my family problems? And then God, as He is so prone to do, condescend. And grants those things, and we haven't stopped thanking and rejoicing Him until we start again. Now, Lord, there's this other matter over here. If You really love me, would You take care of this? And this shows that we have Gideon's nature in us, just as Elijah had. It was a man of like passions, so other. Elijah had his difficulties with faith in God, so we are made up of people of like passions. Isn't it a remarkable book that we're dealing with? A book which is so open and so honest. A book which gives us the holy character of God who never fails, who never does anything wrong, and who loves and glorifies himself and his people who is proud of his people, and yet he shows, as one fellow said, he shows all the warts on their faces. He not only tells us how lovely his people are, but he brings out their shortcomings as well. Now, that's why that if men had written this book, they would not have told the things that are recorded in this book. If you were going to write a book about your family members, I guarantee you that the best chances are I'd only hear the good and lovely side of your family. You wouldn't tell me about all the problems and all the difficulties that you have in the family. God is open. He tells us about his people, his sons and daughters, and he tells us about their shortcomings as well as their strengths. If the Lord loves us, we say, now, Lord, do such and such. I don't know of the times in which that I have talked with people in the hospital, and they have begged and pleaded. I mean, tears running down their cheeks. Preacher, pray that God will get me up out of this bed. Oh, if He'll just do that, I'll just start coming to church, and I'll just, I'll just do any, I'll serve the Lord from here on out. Oh, they want the assurance that God is with them, and God raises them up, and you don't even see them come the first Sunday, uh, the church. Isn't that a remarkable thing? And isn't it a remarkable thing about the condescension and long suffering and patience of God? God knowing that we, how we will respond, yet he goes on and blesses us and asks us and gives us things in which he knows that we will not even handle them many times appropriately. Here we see in this passage the condescension of God. He gives Gideon what he wants. The sickness is taken away in the life of a believer. The burden is removed. The perplexing problem is solved. Prayers are answered. But instead of accepting this and resting in the daily contentment of living under the eye of God's providence with As the evidence of God's favor, we as Christians are not content and we're prone to ask for still greater demonstrations of the presence of God. In fact, the truth of the matter is the demand for a sign on the part of Gideon is simply an expression of doubt and unbelief, an expression of doubt and unbelief, because he had already been given ample understanding of the mind of God. Now, there's something about asking for signs and always having the tendency to wanting to have God reassure us of his presence. When God grants these favors, as he did here with Gideon, instead of increasing the faith of Gideon, it only strengthened Gideon's doubt and made him desire to have more reassurance of God's presence. It's much like getting on drugs or some chemical dependence. You know, the people who who follow in, fall into that trap say, well, I need just this much to get me up to where I can face today. And they take that. And then that soon begins to wear off. And what do they have to have? They've got to have more than they had the first time until before long they become hooked on the whole procedure, and they find that they are dependent upon the very thing which they thought would give them relief. And the individual who is always having to go and ask God for a daily sign of his presence in the life, instead of those signs reaffirming the faith, It only serves to cause them to become more critical and more doubting. And instead of trusting Jesus, as we just sang about in our hymn book, they want more and more reassurance in the form of signs. What is all this leading to? It leads to a desire to walk by sight rather than by faith. That's what it leads to. And it will end up sooner or later with the individual refusing to believe the greatest sign that God grants unto him. Did you notice that when Gideon here was given an answer to his request, did that increase his faith? Or did he come right back and say, wait a minute, let's do this thing over again? It's the latter, isn't it? He must have more and more and more. Why can we not simply trust Jesus day by day? Why can we not be assured that he is in control of the affairs of our life? Why cannot we live by faith rather than walk by sight? For that is the only way for the Christian to walk. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says that we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. I want to read to you again the song that we just sang. Simply trusting every day. Trusting through a stormy way. Even when my faith is small. Trusting Jesus that is all. Seeing if my way is clear. Praying if the path Be drear, if in danger, for him call. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Now that is how God would have us to live as his people. And when the trials come, we must view those trials as sent by an appointment of God. Just as God sent a messenger to Gideon and said, I have chosen you to be my instrument. When trials come, we must view those trials as coming from the appointment of the sovereign God. And then we must learn contentment in those trials, trusting Jesus every day. Let's go over to the book of James for a moment. New Testament book of James, chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or diverse temptations or testings, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now notice what is the purpose of trials. Where do trials come from? They come from God. What is God's purpose in trials? to produce a mature faith or patience in our behalf. How patient are we when testings and trials come? You'll find out how patient you are when God appoints a trial for you. That's what you'll find out. And you'll either simply trust that this has come from God, or else you'll do like Gideon. And you'll begin to say, now, Lord, I don't know where all this came from, but you just better reassure me that you're still with me. Give me a sign. Show me a sign. And when there is some answer to a problem that you have, and you rejoice in it, what happens? Does that give you greater faith, or does it then cause you to ask again? Now, Lord, there's this other matter over here. Would you please give me a sign? assuring me that that's going to work out all right also are we not already been or have we not already been given a sign that is a message from god that all things work together for good to them that love the lord have we not been assured that if the lord be for us who can be against us those are promises which god has given he said that Let's not imitate Gideon and say, now, Lord, I know you've said it, but would you reassure me just one more time? The Lord, in Gideon's case, came down to the level of Gideon's weakness. He gave him the fleece when it was wet, when everything else was dry, and then he made the fleece dry when everything was wet. Pardon me. However you spell it, a wet fleece or a dry fleece it spells unbelief. I don't care how it comes out. Whether it's wet or whether it's dry, it's a sign of unbelief. To go by a sign is to miss living by faith. That is the lesson that I'd have us to be left with tonight. And the secondary lesson is to marvel at the condescension of God to come down and be patient with people like we. That's what we ought to marvel in. Now, I hope that in the message tonight that no one will leave and say, well, all the other people here at Oakland Baptist Church may have that problem, but not me. I don't have to have that. Because God may have a trial out there to knock the props out from under you. It seems like I sort of remember a fellow in the Bible by the name of Peter who thought along that line after a few years under the teaching of Jesus. He'd come to the point where he felt he knew just about everything that there was to know and that he was the strongest of all of the apostles. And though all men deny you, Lord, I won't. Now, Lord, what you're saying, that may be true of these others here, but not me. God had a special trial for Peter. And that one who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, Christ told Peter, he's desired to sift you. And you know what, Peter, I'm going to let him do it. And we're going to find out what you're made out of, but I'm going to intercede for you all the time. So let us not, anyone, think, well, that's only for weak, immature Christians. I'm a strong Christian, and I would never, ever, in any circumstance, ask God to come and reassure through some sign or wonder that he's still working in my life. As I think back upon some processes of God's dealing with me, The times in which that I was the most perplexed, now I can look back and see God's hand the clearest in. But it did not seem that way at the time. For sometimes God's promises seem to be contradicted by his providences. Don't miss that sometimes God's promises to be with his people seem to be contradicted by the circumstances of providence. Look to the Lord, simply trusting Jesus every day and not having to always say, well, now, Lord, I'm going to put out the fleece. I heard of a couple in Bible college, two fellows, and uh, they were struggling in school and everything. And they got to the point where that they kept asking the Lord for a sign until it was just everything that came along. Lord, do you want me to stay in school? Lord, do you want me to do this? Lord, do you want me to do that? Until finally, they both got to the point that when Sunday morning would come around, they wouldn't go to church unless the Lord gave them a sign to reassure them that that was his will uh, for that day. Now, that is where this all leads to. Rather than taking God's simple word, assemble yourselves together. You say, well, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. Well, when it comes time for us in our hour of public assembly, that's not something that I pray about whether I'm going to go or not. That should be just a natural occurrence. Now, I pray that God would be pleased to meet with us here. God would be pleased to teach us. God would manifest his presence in our midst by giving us understanding of his word. But whether or not the even come, no, that's a matter in which that is not to be prayed about. It's a matter in which that we are to believe what our duty is and to act thereon. Looking again, brightly doth his spirit shine into this poor heart of mine. While he leads, I cannot fall. Trusting Jesus, that is all. How long is God going to lead us? Clear through the chilly waters of Jordan until we end up on the other shore? And as long as he leads us, whether it be through the shiny day or the stormy night, as long as he's promised to lead us, it is our duty to trust that he is there through it all. Let's stand together tonight.